Hi there, I'm Peter Lewis, father, grandfather, writer, storyteller. You're listening to The Dad Story Project, a podcast dedicated to two simple themes, that we find the most fulfillment in the ordinary events of every day, and that the currency of childhood is time. Our children and grandchildren don't want more stuff. They just want us. Today's story is titled, A Hug is Worth a Thousand Words. Of all the human tactile greeting conventions, handshakes, double cheek kisses, fist bumps, and noogies, to name just a few, hugs are my favorites. Scientists tell us that hugs release endorphins, endogenous opioid polypeptide compounds secreted by our pituitary gland and hypothalamus, which resemble opiates in their abilities to produce analgesia. Hugs lower stress, they tell us in their obscure academic papers. They increase tolerance to pain and speed healing. Why can't they just tell us that hugs make us feel better? And why doesn't someone just paste that up on a billboard next to the freeway? I come from a long line of huggers. We embrace at the drop of a hat and without hint of embarrassment. Family, friends, neighbors, people we've just met, it doesn't really matter. If you're in the room and make eye contact, you're probably going to get the big squeeze. My grandmother set the standard for our family and her hugs were legendary. So soft and so warm and so long that you wondered if you might just melt into her. My mother was a vigorous hugger who often ran on her approach, such that you had to brace yourself. She actually hugged semi-professionally back in the 1970s, before the steroid scandals. Even my father, despite his stodgy upbringing, was quick to come at you with his arms wide and a big smile on his face. Therefore, thanks to both DNA and good training, I became an enthusiastic hugger. Between my wife, kids, and friends, If I don't hug at least a dozen times a day, I feel as if I've let the world down. The world needs more hugs. Healthy, respectful, appropriate hugs. Too many people are tactilophobic, guarding their little force fields of personal space and hoping that they make it through the day without so much as brushing someone's elbow. They get home, twist seven locks closed on their door, and flop in a disinfected chair, exhausted and relieved. Whew! I didn't touch anyone today. It's sad. Hugs tell us that we're not alone. They tell us that we matter, that someone cares, that we have a friend. And age, status, gender, and all the other trivial labels that we paste on ourselves shouldn't make any difference. We should just hug as long as we have arms to do so, a friend told me the other day. He's about six foot two. When I became a father, I determined that I would pass on the hug gene, that my kids would know every day that I adored them, not just by saying the words, but also by sweeping them up off the ground in my arms and trying to melt them into myself. Each day when I came home from work, I would drop to my knees and wait for the sound of churning feet as my little boy careened around the corner and launched himself into my arms. Jeremiah called these running, falling-down hugs, and we would do them over and over again, giggling the whole time. We stopped doing this not too long ago. 
He's married with children of his own now, and it seemed a bit silly. But I'm happy to report that both of his daughters spend a lot of time wrapped up in his arms. I did the same thing with my daughter, Amanda. We practically lived all twisted up together when she was small. Then she became a teenager, and I had to adapt my tactics. She needed my respect and some independence and a little bit of space. I had to time my hugs carefully and be aware of the social context. I couldn't just hug willy-nilly. Sure, I wanted the world to know that I loved my daughter, but I had to do it within certain social boundaries and without, quote, acting like a creeper, end quote, as she put it. One day, when she was nearly 17, Amanda took me into a quiet corner of the house to protect my dignity, sat me down, and we had the talk. We needed to compromise. You can hug me six times a day, she told me. Five seconds each. Six? That's it? I said, incredulous. I can't live on just six. Six, she said firmly, holding up six fingers, in case there was any confusion. Six hugs, I soon learned, took great forethought. If I wasn't careful, I could burn them all up before lunch, which would make the end of the evening awkward. What should I do at bedtime? Shake her hand? One day I was gone until late at night and only had used four hugs before I went to bed. I assumed that would give me eight hugs the next day, the six allotted hugs, plus the two leftover ones. This was going to be great. After supper the following day, Amanda and I were crossing the dining room in opposite directions when I held out my arms for hug number seven. Nope, she said, wagging a finger at me. You're all done. Aha, I said cleverly, but I still have two hugs left over from yesterday. Sorry, those hugs expired, she said. They're not rollover hugs, you know. I just stood there, all forlorn, arms hanging limp at my sides, a tear sliding cinematically down one cheek, feeling alone in the world. Then I noticed the twinkle in her eye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dad Story Project podcast. If you would like to show your support, please give us a good rating and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about the Dad Story Project, download stories, and find out how you may be able to participate, please visit thedadstoryproject.com. And please like us on Facebook and tell your family and friends. Until next time, bye for now.